The following is a Barrett Sports Media production. We do the digging so you don't have to. We've got breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Bringing you the biggest stories from the industry you care about. This is the Media Noise Podcast. Well, let's hear it. Now, here's your host, Dimitri Ravanos. This is going to be a one guest version of the show today because Brandon Kravitz and I are having a big conversation. Interestingly enough, Brandon almost always is the one guest on a one guest show, but both of us wrote about sports radio during times of tragedy this week, and we took different approaches, and I thought it would be really cool to use this podcast to sort of talk out each of our points of view, because understand, we both understand where the other is coming from. We just sort of have our view of sports radio's role in this particular moment. That is coming up, but first, some real surprise out of Philadelphia this week. I think when the week began, you know, or maybe I should say on Friday, when we all went away for the long weekend, we thought the biggest thing Philadelphia radio would be talking about would be the retirement of Mike Didinger. But then, surprise, surprise, on Tuesday, Mike Missinelli announces that he is done as the afternoon host at 97.5 The Fanatic in Philadelphia. Now, he and the station are working on a deal that would have him stay in a different role, but nothing is finalized yet. Certainly, we wish him well. I know some of you uh, have your own issues with uh, Mike and have your own opinions about the guy. Listen, he has never been anything but nice to me, uh, so I wish him nothing but the best in this endeavor. But I also understand why 97.5 The Fanatic felt like it was time to shake things up. I mean, look at their lineup, top to bottom, the newest guy in town, and I know that's not really fair to say because John Kincaid was in Philadelphia for a while before going to Atlanta, but Kincaid is the newest guy in town, and that entire lineup is a little bit older. And as radio tries to figure out what becomes of broadcast signals, as we keep focusing on efforts, our efforts to get younger on the digital side of things, you know, it makes sense to build a show around guys in their, you know, early 40s and below. You know what, I, I think the three names that we have heard mentioned at 97.5 The Fanatic, those guys are all like maybe mid to upper 30s. So I think that is one of the key things that radio stations can do. Look, sometimes if you are looking to get younger, maybe you just have to look around and say, this lineup is not the one to do it with. If we are trying to attract the younger side of the demographic to keep coming to broadcast radio, we can't live and die with memories of the past, right? We've got to put in people that are capable of looking forward all the time and talking about the now all the time. And that is not to say that that is not what Mike Missanelli was doing or that is not something older talents are capable of. It is just the visual uh, flag in the ground, the visual line in the sand of this is the direction we are going. Look, so much of drawing in a younger audience to any media platform in the future is going to be about branding. It is going to be about PR. And this move really tells younger sports fans in Philadelphia, hey, we are ready to embrace you with open arms. I, I you know, I, I hate that it came at the expense of somebody's uh, well-established career in a market, but I don't think it's the wrong move for the fanatics. Last week was an absolutely uh, horrible week uh, for our country, and that's coming off of another horrible week. Like, we had the mass shooting at the top supermarket in Buffalo, followed by the shooting at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas, sort of happened 
Jesus, forgive the term, but like bang, bang, right? Like uh, yeah. right one after the other. Brandon Kravitz is on with me now. We both wrote about sort of how sports radio responds in these moments. And we took different paths to it. But I think because I responded to yours on Twitter, you responded to mine. I think both of us see the value in the way each of us approached it. You said that sports radio cannot be afraid of tough conversations in these moments. And my attitude uh, is like, I, I don't think there is a time our listeners need us to be the stick to sports distraction more than at this time. So walk me through your thinking a little bit, and I'll do the same with you. But understand for those of you listening, like Brandon and I have corresponded. We totally see each other's points on this. Well, for sure, because I what you wrote about is my general view on our role in our communities and what we should serve as sports talk radio hosts. What you said, I completely agree with. I think that there, there is most of what we're supposed to do is distract and distract with not to say bury our head in the sand, but in a very deliberate sort of that is the that is the service that we provide is that you you go yeah. away from what, uh, you know, more important issues to focus on uh, things like sports, which at the end of the day don't really matter all that much. Um, I think that there is a time and a place for that the day or two after a national tragedy like we've experienced these last couple of weeks. I just don't think that we should be distracted. And I think that that's the best way I can put it is that there are, there are times to unplug. And then there are times where we all need to be engaged in a conversation and where we can be unique in our format is where everyone is running to the news, whether it's your local news station on the radio, Fox news, CNN, MSNBC, you know, what kind of spin you're getting based on what channel you flip to on sports talk radio. It's different. You know, mm -hmm. I have a different political view than my co-host. Yeah. What, what other shows that you turn on for those typical news stations where you're getting opinion and, and thought-provoking conversation where you're getting two sides of an argument or you're having just a healthy dialogue or you can take callers and who knows what their political affiliation, opinions, or backgrounds are. I think that in those moments, even though it's uncomfortable I don't like having those conversations. I don't want to have that. That's not why I got into this business. But I think for those days, 24, 48 hours after, I think you kind of have to dive in. You don't want to beat your audience over the head with it. But to avoid it, I think is a mistake. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with anything you just said. In fact, I'll, I'll tell you in a second um, kind of where my where my column came from. But I will sort of piggybacking on what you said real quick. I think that we were all so willing to accept and granted we're talking over 20 years ago at this point but we were willing to accept that was kind of what radio was going to sound like for a little bit after 9-11 because it was this big national thing that we were all going through and it was unfathomable and i mean jesus christ walking into a supermarket and killing 10 elderly people just because they're black and i know they weren't all elderly but, but several of them were or walking into an elementary school and killing 19 fourth graders and two of their teachers like we should feel the same way we th that community of course this is beyond 9-11 for them so i understand the I understand the need to serve your community in that moment. I will tell you, my column came from listening to two hosts, and it was it was really hard to listen to. Mm. Trying to acknowledge what happened in Uvalde and do the whole both sides thing. 
Like they, they were more worried about making sure you knew they weren't here to talk about gun control. They weren't here to talk about uh, to take an issue on that than they were just being human. And so, you know, I, I think your point of view and your column has a ton of value. But what I would say to hosts and to programmers is in those moments, it is not a time to be worried about who you are going to offend by letting your emotions be on display. Yes. And, and I think that the, the thing that I kept going back to is thinking about the audience reaction that I would get talking about this, opening up my show the day after the tragedy and, and expounding on my thoughts and beliefs and what I think we should do and the way that I feel about it, my own fears as a parent and all of those things was that I was going to have someone out there, whether they said it to me via text or on Twitter, or they just said it with the click of a button is you're depressing me. Yeah. I want to move or you're, or you're upsetting me and I want to move on. And, and my thought where I kept going back to and deciding that, no, I am going to tackle this is that, that you should be depressed. We right. should be upset. You should be pissed off. That's the day to do that. Now, I don't think that we need, you should probably in your own personal life, carry that on and, and do whatever you think needs to be done. Vote for whoever you think you need to vote for in order for us to not have to face these tragedies again as a sports talk radio host. If I do that heavy on a Tuesday, I'm not going to also beat you over the head with it on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday also. But I, but I think there is a part of that, that as a human, just getting it off your chest. And then, you know, I wrote about this too, Dimitri, is that selfishly, you know, I, like many other people, was deeply affected by this. Yeah, absolutely. It is, it is downright depressing seeing that happen, especially I have a, a two and a half year old at yeah. home. I can't imagine. Sending him to elementary school in a couple of years and worrying about this crap. It pisses me off. And so like, I just need that own therapy to get it off my chest. Yeah. I mean, I'll be, I'll be honest with all of you listening right now. My son is in fourth grade. And, and so the fact that this happened in a fourth grade classroom, I dropped him off at school the next day. And I, I mean, I literally cried as he walked in the door. I cannot, I really, I can't even imagine. And, And this is, this is sort of the point I want to make in saying that is not to bring everybody down, but you talked about the fact that you're not going to be, you, the listener, are not going to be hammered over the head with this opinion for five straight days a week. This is not the new format of the show, et cetera, et cetera. I think that the aversion to doing that from a programming point of view comes from the same place of why program directors are worried that, you know, a female host or a black host or you know, name anybody that's not a white male, uh, a, a straight white male, could not connect with the audience. I think we overthink and do not give the audience enough credit to understand what is going on sometimes. In this moment, certainly those people listening are smart enough to know this is not the new norm. This is a very difficult time that we are all going through. And the voice coming through these speakers is not, you know, you know it's, it's not uh, artificial intelligence. This is a real person experiencing a range of emotions at this point. And we can, I think the listeners are more capable of making room for that than sometimes programmers and even hosts think they are. Yeah. And I think if you just approach it with your honest emotion without any sort of agenda Mm -hmm. um, and, and like you said, it, it, you, you can approach it and not have an agenda, but also not worry about what the person on the other side is thinking. I know that something that I said someone out there vehemently disagreed with. Right. I can't wait to take guns off the streets. 
I know that there are people that don't agree with that. I don't care if you agree with it or disagree with it. I just saw a news story where a bunch of elementary school kids got gunned down. We have to do something about that. I don't not I'm, I'm not going to shy away from saying that, but there is that there is a balance. I mean, there, there's yeah. no other way to put it because, you know, and, 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 and it is interesting to think about the way that you program your show, because while I, I hit that hard the next day at the open of my show with all of the emotion behind it, um, then, you know, that that's only a small portion of your audience, right? You know, that's just, that's just one segment. And so it, that's why I go back to it. it. It's almost as selfish as it is anything else, because I'm not going back to it again and again, but those people that tune in at three, uh, are, aren't the same people necessarily that tune in at five. Right. And so those people didn't hear that rant. I am the distraction that they were looking for because I personally already got it off of my chest and I don't want to keep going back to it. So that's, that's the tough balance. It's a tough balance for the audience. It's a tough balance for you. Cause I think it's a message that should be heard, but at the same time, um, it's just not our format. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I, I think we're going to go a little bit long here because this is, this is such a big conversation. Like it's gotta be this entire episode, right? Like I, I would say the, community therapy aspect of live radio is really important in these moments. And it's not just talking it through together. I'll, I'll sort of touch on kind of the thesis of my column is, I mean, look, we are recording this on Thursday, June the 2nd. I put up my column on Wednesday, June the 1st. By the end of the day, there had already been another mass shooting that we were talking about in, in Tulsa. I mean, it is between where things stand in the world right now and the speed at which media moves and all of the hours these networks have to fill with content. I mean, hell, and, and all of the space Twitter has to fill with content. Like, it is so easy to become overwhelmed. It is so easy to become very nihilistic. The human brain is not wired to take in that much tragedy all at once, which is why I think there is value for saying, Hey, you know what? I'm going to talk about the fact that uh, DraftKings has plus 1,000 odds on Jalen Brown being the MVP of the finals right now. Because I, I think that's stealing money or could be stealing money. Like, I, I think there's value to that in these moments. There definitely is. Uh, and, and I think that you, you have to serve yourself along with serving your audience and the way that you approach these things. I know that I go back to the way I think it also depends on how close you are to the situation. Oh, for sure. When the pulse tragedy hit for us in Orlando, that wasn't a segment. That was right. the show. Right. Probably multiple days in a row. Or your, your community is deeply impacted. I think people need that sort of therapy more than it doesn't lessen the severity. But, but, but the closer it hits to home, I'm sure that there are sports talk radio shows in in, uh, in, in around San Antonio and Evaldi Tech that spent more time on it because they know that area. They yep. know those people. They know the stores they go to, the, the schools they send their children to. You know, it's, it, it's a, it, it just reaches different levels of how much it's going to be covered and the depths to which that you can cover it. So I think that that part of it, it matters too. But that goes back to the community therapy. The mm -hmm. closer your community is to tragedy, the more 
that community needs that therapy from every direction. It's not just on one individual sports talk host. You could go to your pop station, your rock station, Hispanic, whatever. Everybody's going to be talking about that the closer it hits to home. It's funny you say that because Mike Taylor, who hosts the afternoon show on the ticket in San Antonio, so he's been a good buddy of mine for a while. And I was talking to him last night. Uh, and he sort of was kind of making that point. Like, this isn't this isn't that ice storm where their power grid froze over last year and everybody was dealing with the consequences of that 24 hours a day. He was telling me, like, there really is, uh, like, am I walking that line right calculus you have to do from segment to segment in a moment like this when you are on the ground? Because certainly, like, you probably know some of these people. I'm, I'm talking about you, the listener. Probably know somebody directly affected by this, or, or you know, know somebody who knows somebody directly affected by this. But at the same time, you know, there are people counting on you for that escape. So he said it's like a math problem every time he turns off the microphone before he turns it back on. Yeah, definitely. And I think that that's the dance that you have to play, and that that's what makes it difficult with knowing that your audience is coming and going. Is you could hit someone. In, in one five-minute span with a really serious conversation that has nothing to do with the NBA Finals or Jalen Brown or, <laughs> or odds at DraftKings. And then, and then 10 minutes later, that's all you're talking about. Yep. And so you, you've, you, you've got different sections of your audience that are experiencing different things from you throughout the morning, midday, or afternoon. And I think that that's part of what makes it difficult because I know that there are hosts out there. I interviewed... Tom Krasnicki, who hosts the morning show at WDAE in Tampa. I know that they talked about it a lot. They took yep. calls on it. They have three voices on that show that all were expressing their opinions while also getting inundated with text messages and phone calls. When it became that interactive and everybody wants to get their feelings and opinions out there, it starts to engulf the show. I'm not saying whether that's right or wrong. I think that's up to each individual show and knowing your audience. Um, but I think there is, as you go on beyond that first day, there has to be a dance. I don't think that it's right if we move on completely, but I do think that we need to move on in some regard, just because we have to get back to exactly what you wrote about. That is, that is the, um, the service that we provide is allowing people to sit back, be entertained, and avoid the mass amount of depression uh, that can you can be hit, hit over the head with over there uh, out there in the media. Certainly not an easy conversation to have for today, but I always appreciate Brandon's view of things. I think he's got a really smart mind for radio, and I always enjoy talking to him, and I always enjoy you guys coming around to listen to the conversation. We'll talk to you next week. This concludes our broadcast day. Thanks for listening to the Media Noise Podcast with Dimitri Ravanos. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review, and check back soon for new episodes. To stay up to date on the latest sports media happenings, visit BarrettSportsMedia.com.